Good morning, church. How y'all doing this morning? All right, the Holy Spirit in the house, so you better get yours. Get what you need from the Lord, because the Lord is in the house. Hallelujah. I'm so glad to be before you today. God is good, magnificent, wonderful, and worthy of all of our praise. So I'll make sure you give God God's due. And God is do it all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My friend just told me, my little friend Michael, he said, girl, you acting crazy. He said, but you crazy for Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm just crazy for Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, uh, I bless you and I thank, I, I have to thank the Fifth Sunday folk. I tell you, Valerie Garman, and what my other girl, Nancy, Dave, all of you, uh, Chrissy and Brandon, everybody who did a table, thank you. Y'all blessed my heart. That was beautiful and a beautiful time of fellowship. And that's important as a part of worship. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Today, my title of the sermon is We Are Priest. And we are called by God to be mediators of God's grace in the world. Now, you know me, I never am exactly what you're expecting. So things might go a little crazy, but we're going to come back. Don't worry. We're coming on back. So let us um, go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Parent, thank you for this opportunity to stand before your people to bring a word of love and hope to a dying world. We thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus the Christ, and for the power of your blessed Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for calling us all to be priests who mediate your love and grace in the world. Lord, help us to rightly divide the word of truth for the edification and transformation of these, your people. Reveal to us your word, your will, and your work so we might join you. Lord, we give, ask you to give us spiritual eyes that we might clearly see the revelation of the Almighty. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen? Amen. Our scripture comes today from Revelation 1, 1 through 6. And as you notice, I said revelation. You know we good to say revelations. We add an S to everything. I don't care if it's not an S on it. We stick it on there anyway. We do that to the grocery stores, everything. Just stick us an S. Well, it's a revelation, just no S on this one. And it reads, John to the seven churches that are in Asia. Grace to you and peace for him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood, and made us to be a kingdom Priests serving his God and his Father, to him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. 
Amen. See, the book of Revelation is one of those books no one really likes to read or preach on a regular basis. It is full of symbolism, prophecy, scary images, and all-around weird stuff. The truth is, most of us don't even know what it's talking about half the time, but we know God will reveal. <laughs> now, some chapters describe strange creatures, cosmic battles, deadly plagues, and harsh judgments. This is apocalyptic or prophetical-style writing, and it takes the reader on a crazy reading journey and experience a, a horrific journey through surreal, dreamlike, and sometimes nightmare-like terrain. See, chapter 12 and 13 and 17 describe Satan's kingdom on earth. We are shown a scarlet beast rising out of the sea with seven heads and ten horns. It tells us about a dragon, which signifies a serpent of a, or a sea monster, which many interpreters explain as the personification of evil and chaos in the world. The monster is demonic and is bent on hate and unrelenting cruelty. See, this story has destroying angels and multi-eyed, six-winged creatures which are believed to symbolize the fullness of Christ and his universal authority. But uh, if you saw those beasts coming your way, you wouldn't be thinking about interpreting them as uh, Christ's universal authority. <laughs> Our resurrected Savior and great hero defeats the dragon, binds the beast, restores our world, and reigns forevermore. See, this book is a major horror story with a very happy ending. Hallelujah. That hallelujah. We win, y'all. We win. Trust me, now this is not the book to read to your children for bedtime. It is not even the book for you to read at bedtime. Because <laughs> now when I was young and I'd, I'd sneak, because it'd be time for me to go to bed, but I'd want to keep reading. And I'd get to reading Revelation and I would read it at night before bed and become so frightened I couldn't sleep. Next thing I know I'm knocking on mama's and daddy's door because I'm downright scared. And I want to get in bed with them. So I would suggest you might want to save that one for daytime reading. But I thought, you know, it would be a fitting book to explore today on Halloween. Now, don't worry. I know we have children in here, so we're not going to go too deep today. Chapter 1 through 6 is the introduction and salutation of the letter John is writing to the seven churches in Asia Minor as he was directed by God to do. He is writing a letter from God, from the Holy Spirit, and from Jesus Christ. So this part of the story is not too bad. But it does have moments. See, Revelation is an extraordinary, well-written book, and I would put it on your must-read list. 
Now here we meet John. Now most people attribute this book to the Apostle John, but the Bible never really tells us which John. It merely says John who was exiled on the Isle of Patmos. Now, because of where John lived and the, thing, the way John wrote and some other things, hey, we figure it's probably the Apostle John. And one of our church fathers, Justin Martyr, who lived during this time, attributed to the Apostle John, as did other church fathers, such as Arrhenius, Augustine, and Clement of Alexander. Clearly, the writer of this book is addressing some pretty cool stuff. So I decided, hey, if it's good enough for Justin Martyr, if he said it was, and he was there, Clement Alexander said it was him, and he was there, hey, clearly, I don't have any right to debate the issue. So I want to acknowledge to you there is a point of debate on who John is, but we're going to go with Justin Martyr, that it is the Apostle John. This book is addressing a persecuted church. John is talking to them and trying to encourage the believers of his day. And I believe that God is offering this to us because this word is still giving us encouragement even today. Now, John is writing while he is in exile. Patmos was a, a, a terrible island uh, and was kind of like our Alcatraz. It was barren and terrible and it just wasn't a place you wanted to be. But yet here John sits. And while he's there, all kind of crazy things start happening. He starts seeing visions and all types of things. See, the rulers of this time were very cruel to Christians. Nero was known as the first persecutor of Christians. Nero, whose number was 666. Do you recognize that number? Yes, the mark of the beast. He was torturing Christians in horrible ways. He was covering them in tar and turning them into human torches, burning them at the stake, and at night he used them to light the city. Human torches, like human lampposts. At other times, Nero was dressing Christians in wild animal skins and allowing the dogs to just tear them apart. A little guts and gore for your Halloween. He also crucified some Christians, and we know how gruesome a death that is. You see, Christians were charged with arson to cover up for Nero's own wrongdoing. It was being rumored that Nero himself burned Rome. So he didn't want the spotlight on him. He was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, I got to find me a scapegoat. I got to find somebody to take this rap. So he came and said, because he know everybody was suspicious of those Christians acting all funny, you know. So he said, it was those Christians. Those Christians burned our city. And since they burned our city, we're going to have to torture them and kill them. So he charged them with arson 
and some of the worst persecutions in history took place under his rule. Now this stuff, for me, is straight out of a horror movie. I don't have to watch a horror movie if I read Revelation. It is a horror movie to me. So here is John, exiled on Patmos for the cause of Christ. While there, he starts receiving visions from God. John is to write down what is shown to him and send it to the seven churches. We've already talked about those seven churches in another sermon. See, Revelation is an epistle or a letter written to the seven churches in the Roman province of Asia Minor. He is writing this letter from God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and God the Son. In our scripture today, we are introduced to the great I Am to our eternal creator, because it says grace to you and peace from him who is. See, letting the people know God exists. God is real. And who was. God always existed. God has always been. And who is to come. Christians, you need to get excited because God is coming again. God is coming. And this scripture tells us so. When I explored this in the Greek, I got a little excited. See, I get excited when I get to reading this Bible now. Oh, when I start listening to the promises of the Lord, I get, I, I get want to shout. I just want to shout. I can't help myself. So I got excited because I saw John's vision of a right now, relational, communal, active God. Not some God way up yonder somewhere, aloof or far away from me, but a God right here. Oh my God, Woo! that gets me excited. See, when you read it in the Greek translation, the words from him who is, actually reads, from him being. Mm, mm, mm. That thing got on me. Being speaks action. It is the present participle of the word be. The word that jumps out here is the word present. God being means God is present right here, right now, right in the middle of all our mess. God is here. Woo! I get excited about that. God is right here with me. He's in the fire with me. Oh, my God. Oh, Lord. Oh, okay. I almost forgot I ain't Baptist no more. Oh, my Lord. Woo! Yes, God's being means God is present right here and right now. My heavenly parent is in the middle of my mess. God is right here and right now for me. My creator is being who has kinship to me. Kinship to me. Not some foreign thing, but kinship. God has ownership of me. 
And with kinship and ownership, I serve a, a, a responsible God who has legal responsibility for me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God has legal responsibility for you and for me. See, I don't, and you don't, and we don't have to go find the I am God. I am is here being in my life, in your life, in the world, in the church, being right now. This lets me know we serve a right now God. We serve a relational God. We serve a responsible God. This makes me want to shout. Woo! Thank God for being. Hallelujah to the great I am. Thank you for being active in our lives, for being active in this world. Thank you for being responsible, a responsible parent and creator who is coming back for us. He's not going to leave us in this mess. God is coming back. Oh, hallelujah. Y'all, y'all don't, y'all don't get it. Y'all don't get it. Woo! But that's exciting to me. Thank you, Lord. Somebody better say thank you. Thank you. You don't have to worry. You don't have to worry. See, those Christians were worried about this. They were worried. But we serve a God, a right now God. We also get a full introduction to the seven spirits who are before God's throne. The sevenfold ministry of the Spirit of the Lord, Yahweh, which consists of our Lord, Yahweh God, wisdom, understanding, counsel, strength, knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. Fear meaning respect. This is typically translated in our Trinitarian view, because we serve a triune God, as the Holy Spirit of God. With the number seven, because we say seven spirits, signifying the completeness, the fullness, the wholeness, the perfection of the Holy Spirit. God don't need nothing else. Woo! We serve a, a, a perfect God, a God who's all-knowing and all-powerful, oh my Lord. Last but not least, we receive a very flattering description of Jesus the Christ. He was a faithful servant of God who was dead, was resurrected, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, my Lord. He is the ruler over the kings of the earth. Hmm. I want to say right here, many of us put our faith and our thoughts in our leaders, in our politicians, in our government, but I'm telling you right now, we serve a sovereign God who has dominion over all these things, who rules over everyone, who rules over everything, despite what it looks like, despite what it feels like, despite what the news tells us, God is in control. My Lord, we serve a risen Savior who has all power, all power. What did I say? All power in his hands. 
Now you can believe it or if you don't want to, you ain't got to. But I know we serve a risen Savior. My Lord. Mm-mm-mm. I'm excited today, y'all. This thing done blessed me and I wanted to bless you. See, it is Jesus who loves us, who freed us from sins by his blood. It's not government. It's not all this stuff of this world. Jesus made us to be a kingdom, made us to be priests, serving his God and his Father to be glory and dominion forever. That glory, that dominion belongs to Jesus the Christ. See, this tells us that Jesus saved us, set us apart for the work of God, our heavenly parent. By the work of Jesus Christ, we have been grafted into the family of God, made to be a kingdom and a royal priesthood. (laughs) We can all go to God and pray for one another. We don't have to go through an earthly priest to get to the throne of grace. We have Jesus, the Christ, the one high priest. Christ became the perfect sacrifice, making all other sacrifices unnecessary. See, the veil has been split in two, and you have access to your creator. Christ is the head. We are the church. We are the body. Christ is the one with the church. He is one with the church here on earth. He's one with the church in heaven. Christ. When they started thinking of talking about build your church, my Lord. Build your church. Christ got his part. It's the church in us. We got to get it built up. Oh, my Lord. Christ became one with humanity. Thus, we are one with Christ. We are priests. We can lead others to Christ. We can pray and help others on this Christian journey. We can minister to one another and help provide for one another's spiritual needs. You don't have to wait for me or or Pastor Dwight to come before you start calling on God. You go ahead and start praying. We get in when we get there. We are all equal before God's throne. See, Matthew 18 and 20 says, where two or three are gathered in the name of Christ, God is in the midst. Doesn't say might be. God is in the midst. We have been made priests and are called to be mediators of God's grace in this world. You, 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 all the way back, you are an ambassador. An ambassador for God. You are a chosen vessel through whom Yahweh God has chosen to serve the people and represent heavenly matters and speak on God's behalf. See, 1 Peter 2 and 9 says, you are a royal priesthood and a priestly kingdom. Revelation 5 and 10 reads, through your blood, you have made us into priests and kings. Now, I'm going to change that to royalty because queens, we are in there too. 
Hallelujah. We in that too. I want you to always be able to see yourself in the great I am. I want you to always be able to see yourself in Christ. So just as we are church everywhere we go, we are also priests everywhere we go. See, Psalms 110 says, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Please, watch what you say and do. Watch how you show God. You're God's ambassador. Represent God well in all your dealings. Not just in the church, but out there in that world. Because that's where your witness is most profound. When you're out there, remember who you represent. Remember whose you are. You are called of God. You are a royal priesthood. Act like it. Walk like royalty. Talk like royalty. You are important to God. Show how important God is to you. Amen? And with this said, some of you may have some things on you that you need to let go. You, that you need to leave right here at this altar. So I invite you, I invite you right here to this altar. You can pray, you can call on God all for yourself. If you're standing in the need of prayer, if you want some of the saints and some of the elders to come around like James said, we'll come around, you just let us know. But I'm telling you, God is here. The Holy Spirit is here. God is present. God is right now. God is relational. And God loves you. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen and amen.